Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Chase and Tales Outdoor Podcast brought to you by Wild Edge, Inc. If this is your first time listening, I'm your host, Walt, and on this show, we bring stories and tales and adventures from all over the world right here with the hopes that it inspires you to chase your outdoor dreams and passions just a little bit more, or maybe it just gets you through the off-season. Either way, we're glad to have you, and we hope you enjoy the, the format and the guests that we have every week here on the show. This week we've got an awesome episode where I had a guest co-host jump on, and I'm going to keep that secret for the intro, but I had a guy, a buddy of mine, reach out and say, hey man, I'd love to to guest co-host on the show. So of course I said yes, and it's a great show with a really cool guest that I think everybody's going to enjoy. But before we get to that, I just want to say thank you to our, our sponsor, Wild Edge Inc., the simplest, most versatile climbing system that you could take into the deer woods this fall. I encourage you to check out their build your own package where you can go online and literally customize the exact set of steps, the size bag, everything you could possibly need. And if you do so and you find yourself right on the brink of making that purchase, use the promo code chasing tails, 10 that's chasing tails, T A L E S one zero at checkout and save $15 on any set of steps. And lastly, we've made this quite the tradition where I read different reviews that we have. And this week we're going to stick to that tradition. And this week we're going to hear from D block six, six, six Walton Layton create a refreshing podcast to be in relation to any of the best out there. They do a great job asking the right questions and keeping their guests current. If you hunt deer, the info is here. Thanks, boys, for the great addition to the hunting podcast world. Uh, DBlock666, shoot me a message so I can get a decal out to you. I am creating more and shipping more and more out. Some people had issues with uh, receiving theirs, but I've sent out another batch to you guys. If you haven't got it, get with me. But DBlock666, if you're listening, shoot me your address, and I would be more than happy to send you a decal in the mail. Now, what do you all say we get on to the show? Guys, we're back with another episode uh, of the Chase and Tales Outdoor Podcast. And this week, we're doing things a little bit differently, and I'm really excited about it. I have been working with a frequent guest that we've had on the show a couple times now. And it wasn't too long ago, I got a message from him, and he said, hey, man, uh, do you think I could ask a favor of you? And I was like, yeah, what's up? And he said, I'd like to be on the podcast with you as a co-host. And I realized that's the easiest favor I could ever give somebody. So tonight we are joined by Preston of the DIY Hunter for the third time. Yeah, three, baby. 
That's it, man. Third time's a charm. Third time's a charm. We should have it ironed out by now. <laughs> You'd think. I, I was just scrambling for an SD card prior to hitting record, so clearly I don't have my shit together on my end. Yeah, it's true. You were scrambling pretty good. <laughs> so, <clears throat> tonight's episode, I'm going to take a bit of a back step, and uh, tonight we've got a, fr- uh, a guest on that... Preston and I both had a mutual interest in talking to for for some different reasons, but they're gonna co- uh, they're gonna come together to be a really cool topic, I think. Uh, Preston, do you want to tee up who our guest is tonight and kind of what we're gonna be talking about? Yeah. So actually, well, and it really didn't come from me. It came from randomly us talking about wanting to do one together, and it just so happened that you had mentioned traditional archery and just general topics of it. And I mentioned uh, Kevin Marrow of Trad Geeks, and you looked at their stuff and said, oh, my God, that would be like the ideal person. Well, oddly enough, I know him quite well, like well enough to call him a friend and speak, I would say, more than on a weekly basis. And I said, well, hey, this would be the perfect guy to do because he's kind of got a nice little business around the traditional archery world. Um, He's building a pretty big niche on his own and getting very well known in the archery world, traditional archery world. Why don't I call him? And I think what last Thursday I said, Hey, give me a sec. I'll text him, texted him. He said, Hey, no problem. And then here we are. But you know, he's kind of what I look to as the cornerstone trad guy in terms of definitive information. If you want it, he's going to most likely have it. I'm not, I don't know enough about traditional to, not know something to know something he wouldn't actually be able to answer so there may be not maybe nothing he might be able to answer everything and uh with you getting back into trad there last few weeks i was like what a perfect guest let's do it and um he's a good guy to talk to and we i think it it'll help with us talking to him a little bit about business and a little bit about traditional archery and the 101 of each and i think just kind of let it roll he's good guy to talk with yeah and so tonight you know we've made a habit of of telling stories outdoor stories and tonight we're going to tell a story and it's going to relate to the outdoors and someone's passions but it's going to come in a little bit of a different format and I think it's going to be cool kind of hearing I I always get excited about these kind of podcasts because the three of us like you me and Kevin you could make a case that we're all competing for an outdoor space, right? Even though we have different niches that we, people, it wouldn't be a far leap for them to think, oh, well, these guys are competitors in the field. And I really think it's badass when three people get together like this with differing platforms and they just, just talk like regular people, you know, sharing stories, sharing topics. I just, I think everybody's really going to enjoy it. Yeah, there's, I don't know what that, that old thing is that we learned in school, but I don't know what it's called, but you remember there's, there's a circle on the left and a circle on the right. And right in the middle, those circles each overlay by about one third. And it's like common ground that you find. And I feel like if each one of us wrote 10 things that we think were mediocre to good at, there would probably be five in the middle that all three of us kind of overlay. And I, I think it's kind of unique because whether it's, style of hunting being in the south or in the north or starting multiple businesses up where me and kevin might overlay or podcasting where you and kevin overlay there's so many overlays but at the same time he's going to talk about trad and i literally can't give somebody a single piece of info but then what he uses trad and what i use a compound and you use a compound are the same end goal so i think it's kind of a a unique i don't know 
three-way phone call, I guess. So, I, I, I mean, that's that. If they want to find him, you know, he's going to give you all the information. But head over to Trad Geeks. But I'd say let's get the ball rolling here and see what he's got to say. All right, let's make it happen. We'll call him right now. Hello? Kevin, my man, it's Walt. What's up? Hey, Kev, what's up? What's up, buddy? Nothing. You got, you, you're right. Your sound quality on your end is crystal clear with your uh, headset versus the truck phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Kevin, dude, I, I appreciate you taking time uh, out of your schedule. I know you're busy uh, like Kev with, uh, or busy like Preston with multiple businesses, man. So I, I really appreciate you taking time out, out of your evening to, to talk with us, dude. Not a problem, man. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So yeah, uh, actually, Walt, Walt, not to cut you off, but go ahead. I actually got off. The, I got off the phone with him there about an hour ago. Just so everyone's aware, he actually was bumping with his clients to make sure he got on this. Because <laughs> I asked him a favor for me. Well, just to to tee this up, uh, Kevin, we we told everybody that you know the format of tonight's show is going to be a little bit different. That Preston's going to be. Uh, the main host of tonight's show, and I'm along oh, for the... Oh, God. He called me, um, I don't know how long ago, it was a couple weeks back, whatever we said in the intro, but uh, and asked to be on the show, and, and, and somehow you're, you're the lucky winner of this, of this uh, interview, so... Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, just so everyone's aware, a couple weeks ago, Kevin called me at about 7.46 and said, hey, you want a podcast? I was like, oh, it'd be awesome. He goes, how about 30 minutes? I went, ah, <laughs> and I found out what it was about during the podcast. So, <laughs> so this is retribution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually, well, like me and Walt talked about here, Kevin, we kind of, what I'd like to go over with you is you just sort of start out one topic and we'll roll it into the second and go over a little bit. I would like to hear a little bit more because I know quite a bit of detail, but sort of start us back at, you know, getting out of graduate school. Just so everybody's aware, Kevin's a chiropractor by trade. and Me and him actually went to graduate school together. He finished a little, what, what, a year ahead of me, Kevin, maybe? I think so, man. Yeah, yeah. roughly. And then, um, what I'd love for you to do is kind of go on the business 101 side first and sort of talk people. I'd love to hear sort of a, how did it actually come to fruition that you went, Hey, I, I kind of got something here. Let's run with it up till the point it's at now. And then we'll sort of roll it into like, what do you foresee it taking you into in the next two to five year type thing? And then me and Walt, Walt's really trying to get back into the traditional game. And then we were going to kind of try to wrap it up with some like 101 basics on traditional archery, like getting some people into it and getting them excited about it. Like a guy like me, like where do I even start if I don't have a resource like yourself to reach out to type of thing. So, I mean, I think it'd be a great way to start. I mean, if you got any questions yeah. or whatever, feel free to take it away. I, I'm curious to hear how you've gotten to Trad Geeks 2018 versus I think you started in. Let us let us hear. It. I, I yeah, we, uh, it's it's kind of a crazy journey for me, and you know nothing was ever planned. Um, you know, I I switched to traditional archery in 2010, more so for more of a challenge here in, in Pennsylvania. You know, we have limited opportunities every year, and I hunted with a compound for years, 
and it was it was frankly just getting to be too easy for me um not so much as chasing like trophy whitetails but just harvesting a deer in general was getting getting to be pretty easy if it came in within 30 or 40 yards it was a slam dunk it it, it kind of you kind of just lost that uh pressure type of situation because you knew you knew you were going to make it happen once you saw it so a couple of my buddies got into trad earlier than I did and they kind of you know pushed me that way so when I got into traditional archery um I kind of just had this thought man if I'm switching to traditional archery at a young age I I foresee a lot of people doing that um and this was back in 2000 and, and I might have already said this 2011 okay. so I made that so I made that switch 2010 you started converting but 11 the season of 11 was kind of your hey i'm gonna do this and do this right type season yeah and you know i i got into trad dove head first sold my compound bought a trad bow and wow. i haven't looked back since well you so you don't even own a compound anymore this is news to me no i haven't owned a compound and well since i started trad geek so 2011 so eight years now wow but yeah so you talking- know tra- Balls out. Balls out, trad, that's it. See you later, every all my other gear. I didn't yeah, even realize that to be honest. I honestly when I sold my uh when I sold my compound, I've I I never even harvested an animal with a trad bow at that time. Um that's awesome. So, you know, when you start shooting them you'll you'll quickly understand how addictive it is and and uh I'm I'm that type of person. It's head first or nothing. So you know, we started yeah. Trag Geeks, grew that business um, with no no expectations whatsoever. It's more or less just putting out some content um, by myself at that point for quite a few years. And then my buddy Mark jumped on and we were both pretty creative and, uh, you know, more or less just started putting out some educational stuff, some vlogs, some YouTube stuff, turned into a podcast started putting out films and one thing led to another. And, and now we've basically produced content for, for bigger companies within the industry. So it's pretty cool. Um, we don't really have any expectations for it. We never had it. Our, our motto is always just be us, be who we are, be original and uh, just keep grinding. So. Could I kind of stop you there? You said, you know, you kind of started moving it in. Can we, sort of elaborate a little more you said you know started putting out your content or, or growing it into a business can we kind of back up to like you know 2012 13 ish when you say that for like maybe a lot of people here sitting there going you know i want to start out group with my buddies or we're doing a lot of stuff <laughs> they think that like yeah and there's there's thousands of us out there what was your did you have like an aha moment or like what was your true like your foundational base, like you said, you know, if I could rewind with Kevin of 2018 back to 12, what would have been like your kind of your starting point to say, here's where I'm going to start kind of pushing off from Does that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, it's really kind of hard to touch on one thing or two things that really stood out for me. Um, yeah, I guess if I had to say one thing, it was just my motivation and passion and, and my love for sharing what I'm doing with other people. Um, I never really worried about how many followers I had. I never really worried about any of that stuff. It was more or less put out content. And if people like it, great. If they don't, that's fine too. But I wanted to create a platform to document my life 
in the outdoors. So I have a now, place. Now, did you do now. that? Did you go straight through from social media or was your website one of your first go-tos? Now, granted, in the last five or six years, our platforms have been drastic. I mean, me and you in grad school, Instagram wasn't a thing. Like, it didn't yeah, exist. Yeah. So, so was your your basis, your website off the floor? Or, like, where yeah, did you so kind of decide, story. like, hey, this is it? Funny story is, uh, you know, and this is kind of a part I left out. My buddy and I were, were on a, a traditional archery forum. So these, you know, forums back then were a big thing, and they're still around, but not as much. And we were on the forum, and we were trying to just give some good advice. And, and long story short, we got banned from this forum because the forum was set up through sponsorships. So um, if you said something bad about the sponsorships, and it could have been in a nice way, <laughs> even in a nice way, they'd delete your comment. <laughs> so uh, we were getting deleted and commented. And long story short, they just banned us from the forum. So I, I told my buddy, Aaron, I said, hey, man, I'm going to start my own forum. And he said, how are you going to do that? I said, that's easy. My brother's a computer science major. He can help me get a website going. And, and within a week, I had a forum up for for strictly my friends and I to chat about traditional archery throughout our work days and something to check in on. And is this, is the forum still in existence? No, I deleted it this year, actually. No kidding. Okay. <laughs> Cause uh, it just kept growing and, and we kind of changed our, what our passion was. And that was more or less through film. So even back in 2011 and 2012, I was putting all of our films up on our website and through Vimeo at the time, we'd put them on YouTube, but not, that wasn't really my focus at the time because Vimeo was kind of like a better quality platform back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now, now we don't even put them on Vimeo. It's all YouTube, um, and our website, but I've throughout the years, I've, I've, I've kept the, kept the website up to date. So we put it on YouTube, we put it on the website, we put it on, you know, everything kind of goes back and forth. So, you can find everything on our website. Um, but you know, the, the big thing, if you're trying to grow something is you can't be one dimensional. You gotta have, you gotta have your hand in every single platform that there is. So it, if I may, I'm curious, it, it, you, this thing has, I think like a lot of people, it has very organic, uh, intentions from the beginning, right? Like you, you, you started talking about how, it it started with a forum, right? You just needed a, a place mm -hmm. to to talk and and communicate. At what point did it? What what point did you start to realize that uh, people were more invested in your films and really wanted to see that type of content? Was there a, a moment where people started asking you for that, or no, not really? I mean. I think that's where our passions lied was producing film. That's what we enjoyed doing. Um, it was something that came very natural to us and I was going to be doing it anyways for, for my sake to document. Um, and then, so I think that was just my motiv motivation to do that. And people fell in love with that. You know, we don't have a, we don't have a huge following. It's not, it's not the biggest following in the world, but, the the people that do follow us are very very interactive with us um and that's that's crucial if you're trying to start a business through the hunting industry is they don't really care so much about you having a hundred thousand followers if only 
a couple thousand interact with you. They want to see that the followers you do have are very, very interactive with you. So, um, you know, we kind of, you know, the traditional archery community is very niche. It's, it's tiny, it's not big, but if you, you know, we, our, our big thing was putting out good quality product and we've continued to do that since we've started it. Um, so yeah, I don't think it was, I don't, I don't think it was more or less people coming to us, asking us for things. It was more or less us just doing us and just putting out what we love to do. Um, you know, and it's just, we're very creative type of people. So we're always looking for like the next, next thing to do. Um, our minds, you know, our minds are constantly running. So yeah, it's, that's pretty much it, man. Uh, it's hard to, hard to put a finger on it. Just keep, it kept growing and it's at a point now that I never, ever expected it to be. Um, well, let, let's touch on that even. So let's, let's just say, you know, right now, 2000, September, August, I, you guys, I don't know what month it is, whatever this month is right now, 2018, where, where are you at in time and space? Like kind of let everybody know sort of your main, I would say maybe your week to week and month to month objectives now versus just even when you got started, like, what are you, what are you striving for here for 2018? That's, that's, moderately different than when you, you got this thing going to where it yeah. takes a little bit of time and effort before you can get to that because it, you couldn't have done it in year one. Yeah. So now, you know, I have three kids and my, my partner in crime, Mark uh, Kephart that helps me with everything. He, he, he's just as invested as I am um, into it. And, and without him and without a good partner, it's never grown to what it's grown to. But um now, you know, before before we had kids and all that or our families were growing, I have three now and Mark still has one. But, um, you know, we had more time than we, we invested a lot of time in, in growing it and doing things. But now we're, we're kind of to the point now with, with with what we do is we we sit down at the beginning of the year and, and pretty much talk and write out what what our goals are from week to week. And and we stay consistent with that. So this year was really growing our YouTube following because we never really focused on it. Um, so we're putting out a weekly blog every week, every, every other month or, or every, twice a month, bi-weekly, we're putting out a podcast. And then as far as content goes, besides those two avenues, it's just photos and um, take a lot of photos, just us doing things, you know, because basically now Trag Geeks is, a media company. So we, we produce content for other, other companies out there. So yeah, just setting that, setting that up, um, grinding it out and being consistent with our, with our content is the biggest thing that we're doing now that we, we didn't really have any structure before. We just put out what we could when we could do it. You know, you have anything to, uh, touch on with that last little point there, Walt, because I know I got a, a couple things, but I could kind of almost sense you having a question to fire through, <laughs> yeah, through no, the silence. I, I'm curious, how did that transition how did that transition from producing your own content and being your own media driver to uh, being a, a media driver for other companies? Did you feel like that ever impaired your ability to uh, pursue what you wanted to, or did you strategically align yourself with people, uh, sponsors specifically or companies specifically that allowed you to chase the dreams and the ideas that you yourself had? Yeah. And that's a really good question. And I feel a lot of, 
a lot of guys getting into this industry make that make that issue for themselves because they'll take anybody on that they can any partnership any discount any bro staff they can get on they do <laughs> and uh you know these companies will hand out discounts to pretty much anyone um so you know they align themselves with that and they get themselves into trouble when when so when i built it i thought to myself you know what i want to have five sponsors and i want them my goal was to have the most elite sponsors in the industry the the top notch that's who i want and if i can align myself with a few i felt that with our content and the quality that we have and the movement happening with guys switching from compounds to more of a traditional approach that the other companies will follow suit and uh so it was a grind but that that's exactly what happened um this year now we kind of we're in a position now where we drop any traditional archery partnerships so that we can remain unbiased within our niche, um, producing content so I can shoot whatever bows I want. I can, you know, I can, I can do what I want in the traditional archery side of things, which was becoming a problem when we, when we were partnered with some people in the traditional archery community and there it's a great community, nothing against them. We just want to be able to, um, shoot what we want, do what we want, um, in that, in that area. So we, we really aligned ourselves, ourselves with companies that we hundred percent uh, agree with. They have the same values as us ethics, um, want the same for us that we want for them. So one of, one of my good friends is, uh, the VP of marketing for mountain ops and, and, um, we became really good friends through the relationship, but I'll never forget the day we talked. He said, we want to grow you as much as you want to grow us. And that is a huge company. Wow. And to hear, hear somebody say that they want to grow us as much as we grow them was crucial for me, even if I had some questions about things. And having that, those partnerships where the doors open, you have, you have that ability to talk to them at any time and discuss things and, and they want to grow you as much as you grow them is, is crucial to making it in this industry. So aligning yourself with those good partnerships, not getting too many and not settling for, for just a discount, you know, and, and it, it takes some time It take, you know, it's been seven, eight years, but you know, we're to the point now where that's not even an option, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just aligning yourself with the right people and, uh, not trying to get too greedy initially, you know, and just grinding it out. Yeah. I think, I think that's like a really good, cause I, you know, I've, I've not been anywhere near around the time put in that you've had at this point. I'm only creeping up on maybe year and a half ish or so, but, uh, I think that's a big thing to sort of touch on. You were talking about aligning with the right and wrong and, so like one of the things that I'm finding out quicker and quicker here is you could probably touch on is how small the outdoor industry is. And sometimes I think to step back and really look and say, Hey, I, like for a perfect example, I'll use me and, and the guys that I'm running around hunting with. We had somebody approach us and it was not a brand as though we felt was of quality or up to par of what we wanted to use or were already using. And we said, you know, 
it'd be really easy to jump on that financially to save quite a bit of money really over time, but at the same time wasn't aligned with something we wanted to use. And if we did that and then jump back out at a later date, you start kind of beating down bridges in a very, very small world. So I think it's cool where you were saying like, hey, we want these ones because I know myself, we were very strict about that. Like, hey, we're not going to do this and then burn that bridge to go to this and try to go back and forth flippy floppy. That's just you don't I don't think you get a lot of swing and misses like that in this type of industry. So you kind of have to tiptoe the line on how much are you really willing to sacrifice to possibly do something that you're not necessarily wanting to, to save a hundred bucks or 500 bucks or whatever it happens to be. I I mean, you kind of touched on that. I feel like that's goes without saying for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. The industry is small and you know, it's, it's like any business that you run, you got to make very well thought out, you know, plans and and how you want to do things. And, um, you know, that, that's not who I am to jump around. Like I see some people doing in the industry, one company, the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, that doesn't really add any validity to anything. So I've, I've just really stuck to my guns with things and had to settle for less sometimes to know, think ahead and look into the future. And, you know, another, another thing that I did that I kind of not to toot my own horn, but I felt like I had a knack for is seeing the, the ability for small companies that are just starting up and seeing if you like kind of having a vision for them to really be a good company within the industry in a few years. Uh, and I did that with, you know, one specific company and I'm not afraid to name them. It's uh, Maven optics. When Maven first started, I, I thought, man, this company really has something to produce in a really good quality. I see them growing substantially. So with one short email, I reached out and he quizzed me on a few things and he, and he, I can remember this email. He said to me, wow, you seem very original, passionate and honest. Sure. And we've had a relationship with him since, and it's grown substantially. It's, it's crazy how things work, but you know, having that eye for maybe the smaller companies for the younger guys, just getting into the, trying to get a business going, seeing a company that, might potentially really grow in the next few years and hopping on a board early on because they're looking for people that they're not going to have to fork out a ton to produce content for them because they're starting up as well. So, you know, growing relationships, keeping those relationships strong and keeping that line of communication open. I know a lot of companies um, get fed up with, you know, rather it's just sending product to people or whatever, and, and they don't hold, the, the people that receive the product get their product and then they don't hold true to anything that the company has wanted from them. So um, just being a good person, that's, I think, the biggest thing anybody should take from this is just be a good person and, and things will happen for you. Well, I, I can echo yeah. that. Sorry, Preston, but no, go ahead. Walt. I, yeah, I can echo away. that with with our sponsor, you know, Wild Edge. It's almost an exact replica of what you just said. You know, we, he and I started a dialogue back when. 
honest to God, before I even started my first podcast, I didn't even have the equipment ready or anything, but I was interested in his product and my platform was growing rather quickly, regardless of not having produced a podcast yet. He has a a promo code that he gets to see that direct referral that's coming from me. And, you know, in the last year we've worked together on some special projects and his business has grown. He sends me, you know, monthly updates. Hey, we got this many customers from you. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you need from me? And I think I would echo what you say is be a good person. But when you reach out to some of these companies, don't start off by saying, hey, uh, I'd like to work with you. Can you send me your product? Start that that conversation off with, hey, this is why I think the relationship can be can be beneficial. Here are the clear cut things that I'm willing to do from you from the start. What do you think about having this conversation, you know, elaborating on this conversation? You got to, and and you're right, uh, Walt, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are who, what, why. And I told, I talked to you about this, Preston, when you're trying to grow a business and these companies get emails after emails, after emails, after emails. I mean, they can't handle them all. So your email has to stand out if that's how you're reaching out to them. And, and, you know, these companies don't really care who you are. They don't really care what you're about. All they care about is why. And, you know, that's, that's ever we're, you know, mentally, we just think of who we are, what, what we're about and why, and you kind of have to reverse that. So anybody trying to reach out to companies, start with the why, then go with the what, and then go with the who. And I've noticed, you know, my people responding back to me initially when I was really starting this all, they'd respond a lot quicker to emails that started out like that when you're jumping to the point of why you can help them with uh with what they have so just kind of oh hands down i agree completely with that they're gonna need to there's a reason that uh, posting i think uh stuff to social media let's say youtube or vimeo specifically that every statistic basically known to man shows that your audience is lost from what I read, somewhere in the first six seconds of a video, it's either gained or lost. Six seconds is quick. Now, if you apply that to someone reading 20 emails a day, six seconds is quick. You get yourself, what, two sentences before they're captivated or they just don't care because it's generic. And um, mm-hmm. I think if it's along the lines of something that they've heard a thousand times and or it's immediately going the direction of eh, – I don't know who you are or something. It's so cookie cutter to every other person's who they are. Um, unless you're lucky enough to have that name that you're, you're name dropping right out of the gate. I, I think the, the average Joe, they've got too much work to do because most of these outdoor companies, and I'm sure you can attest as well. A lot of times the guy sitting on the other end or the female on the other end of the email is like lead of marketing and lead of HR and payroll. And they're doing everything else as well. They've got a lot on their plate, let alone talk to consumer potential sponsor, da, da, da. So it's, it's funny how many times you end up with the president of marketing or the CEO of the whole company in which you think is this giant corporation and come to find out, Oh, there's like five guys there. (laughs) And it's huge. So you gotta, I, I spoke with Walt a little, that email, man, I, I'm saying two sentences because how many emails do you guys get on your phone a day that get a left swipe that you don't even open? And it mm-hmm. may be something you need to read and you're like, hell with it. Swipe left, 
and that's it. You never hear it. You just don't think of it again. So me and you last summer talked about that. And that's something I've gotten much and much better at is the understanding of like verbiage, um, just being able to captivate someone very, very quickly when you're, you're Joe Adam that they have no idea about, which is difficult. It's very difficult. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think maybe another really cool point too is to like not let, don't let have people or anyone out there trying like have no fear to maybe reach out to a friend or someone that you have some type of connection with that you sort of try. I mean, vice versa, the way I kind of did with you getting things rolling because it is, it is building a business. I don't care that it's the outdoor industry. The business is really irrelevant or however you want to look at it. It's you always have people that are so much better at you better than you at certain things i think a lot of times people are scared to ask help or just say like hey i've done this 10 times and it's not worked 10 well instead of doing it 30 more how about <laughs> ask somebody who did it right and see if they'll help because i'm commonly finding out also in this industry that me and walt even in the pre the pre-podcast part kind of spoke about it it was sort of funny Somebody, an outsider could look at us three as like competing avenues, but at the same time, like it's not even relative at all. There is no competing avenue because like you could probably attest to this too, Kevin. Me and Kevin are chiropractors by trade and I have my one office. I have seven offices which I could walk to and I don't walk anywhere. I'm probably the best in shape lazy kid in the world and they're all (laughs) within reach. And people deem it as really, really bad. But to me, I look at it as really good exposure. It makes people more aware of what we do because there's a bunch of us. On the outdoor world, I think archery hunting, traditional, like Kevin, you getting on to maybe heavily listen to compound archery podcasts, it's all positive kind of marketing, networking. I, I don't I don't see a lot of the negativity that I do maybe more in the corporate business world as I the, the outdoor business world, I just don't see it. I see so many people scratching each other's backs. And I think a lot of times people might be scared or timid to maybe reach out and ask for help. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's, it's a good industry for sure. It has its, it has its flaws, <laughs> obviously. But, um, Different podcasts. You know, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but it, it's, it's a, you know, it's what we love. It's what we're passionate about. So I'm all about making it better one step at a time and then i think you know more people more the younger generations like us that are starting to step into it even at a small level that we are um can make you know good changes to it and uh you know that's all i'm about and every year i you know we go down to the ata show and we love it we have a good time meet a lot of people and um and there's some people i don't care to meet and there's other people that i can't wait to meet so it's absolutely but. yeah if i could just throw a side note in for anybody looking for help kevin's cell phone's five five no, <laughs> <laughs> well I, I think it's i think it's yeah. interesting what you said you know about you know there's almost like there's a adage like there's no such thing as bad publicity or something like that you know in the sense that there's really not the, there's, there's not i mean i guess they're there you look could... at the kardashians <laughs> i'm not knocking them right I'm right not saying they're bad they're good totally neutral standpoint from a marketing 101 they're an ideal example it doesn't matter if it's the worst coming of jesus or the best thing in the world they're in front of everything you know why people talk about it exactly and in our field i think 
talking about it in positive is definitely the route you want to go. But yeah, not to break you up there, Walt, but that's a great point. Well, and, and and where I was going with that is I, I feel like, you know, Preston, I rely fairly heavily on you to, to bounce ideas off of. Does this sound stupid? Do you think this would even work? And we chat pretty free, uh, frequently. At, I'm sure my wife has made note of the people I talk to just to, you know, keep up with things. But uh, I, I think you made an awesome point that I just want to elaborate on a little bit, and that is, you know, there's a lot of people who see other people doing similar things as competition. I I go out of my way to help other people start their podcasts. Now, that doesn't mean my time isn't limited. I give everything I can, but I get hit up like twice a week, and I've got almost the same verbiage. I send it to every person. If you want to do it remotely, this is what you should buy. If you want to do it this, this is what you should buy. Because the way I look at it is, if the hunting community is small, the hunting podcast community is even smaller. You know, the amount of listeners that we have out there. Absolutely. And the more people that are out there producing content, that's just more exposure to more listeners who may not have even known that there are hunting podcasts out there. And nine times out of ten, the people get frustrated with the finite amount of downloads and they just quit. But they exposed it to a couple thousand people. And I might benefit from those. Kevin, you might benefit from those. You know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, they're... The other way to look at it, too, is and I'm all about, you know, helping people because the people that you actually take my information and use it. Right. Um, are very, 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 very minute because a lot of people don't want to put in the work that's in required. I mean, I can remember when Mark and I started our podcast, I would drive because we had like a remote location to have all everything set up and things have changed now, obviously, but. I would drive 45 minutes to his house just so he didn't have to leave the house because the equipment was there to, I mean, night after night, we were doing it every week. And I mean, the hours that I spent doing that kind of stuff away from my family, um, luckily I have a really, really supportive wife and she's understanding and would never let me quit at drag geeks or anything like that. So that helps tremendously, but you know, a lot of guys just aren't going to put in that effort. So the ones that do take my information and do it, that's awesome. You know, good for them. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm The way I look at it is I'm a competitive person. I was born too short uh, to play any kind of real competitive <laughs> sport that I wanted to. Uh, so I, ta- oh my <laughs> so I, I take my competitive nature to literally everything. I, I lost at ping pong the other day and about lost my mind. But that's a story for another day. But the way I, the way I look at it is when those people hit me up, I'm like, I'm just going to out hustle you, dude. You know, I'm just I'm going to outwork you. I, you know, I'm going to start my day earlier and I'm going to produce the best podcast I can. And, you know, it's it's going to be what it's going to be. And I think more people need to look at it that way, because I'd be willing to bet you you didn't have some magical slush fund that you pulled the funds th- from to start all of these businesses. I was literally just going to go that route. With I, I knew, I knew that'd be your next, your next thought, Preston. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I, I don't want any skewed or tomfoolery out there that any of this stuff is free by any means. There is a lot like Kevin, I know you do a ton of the web development portion, but mm-hmm. to me, my web development was X amount of finite money to get built because I would rather cut my eyelids off than do that. And I was like, <laughs> it's just, but there is, and I'm sure you can attest as well. Like if someone were to look at your platform or look at myself, they would maybe probably not even guess, I think anywhere near what it costs to keep it floating for a calendar year. So I don't, 
I don't want anyone skewed that it's that it's free. However, me and Kevin have both talked in grave detail how much we actually work on the back end, meaning our job jobs, and we know, hey, this is how much this is going to take. So we need this much, period. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. And I think a lot of people are scared to go do certain things to flip money to maybe get things off the floor. Like meaning, hey, I make X amount a year. I don't have this much to get all this stuff going. Okay, go mow, go mow 10 yep. lawns a month. You got the cash. Most people won't do that. And that's not a knock yeah. to people. That's just what human nature is. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's, it's a good point, Preston. And the funny thing with, with mine, the whole thing was, is I was like, all right, I really want to do this, but I am not investing any money that comes out of my practice that's for my family into a business that's essentially a hobby for me. And that was initially. And so I learned how to do everything. I learned how to build a website. I learned how to do a podcast. I learned how to film. I learned all there is to know about DSLR, cinematography, editing. Um, luckily, my, my buddy Mark that helps me is a musician. So he writes all the music for everything. We do oh, everything. Cool. Everything that is Trad Geeks website, everything you look at is done in-house. We never paid anyone to do anything. But with that, it takes a ton of time. You know I was I mean? just going to say, um, you're valuing your time at $0 an hour. Exactly. It's exactly. not always a finite number, meaning cash in hand. Because I think I laughed with Walt with this the other day, and he goes, you might want to get on that. I said, you know, it's really funny, Walt. I'm sitting here and I'm working in a medical profession, expanding my business at a slower rate because my hobby compounds so much time. <laughs> if I just focused it differently, maybe I could have somebody manage what focuses my time. And he goes, maybe but, you should figure that out. And with, hey, you know, I'm, I'm only, in the same boat, man. There's only six hours. There's, exactly. That's it. But there's exactly. still a value to your. So it, I, I guess maybe that was misconstrued. It takes money. No. But if I've got 15 hours wrapped into marketing for my stuff and I say just for an even number, I make 10 bucks an hour, that's $150 I pissed away that week negatively without any on return. Had I applied to work, maybe it would have returned two, three, four times fold that. So there's still. Yeah, and I agree. I agree 100 percent you know? because the amount of time that I've taken to do all this, if I would have focused that on my practice, my practice would probably be a lot more successful than what it is. And it's successful, but um, it's a very, very simple, stupid type of practice. Um, so I, I can definitely see your point there. My problem with it is, Preston, is I'm so anal that it would never be done. <laughs> yep. It would never be done the way I want yeah. it done. Yeah. No, you are not. Never ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you have a business partner, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. for track geeks. Yeah, no, no, no. no, no, I was, no. That was Kevin's money business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No partner, no, much I'm... like myself. <laughs> I, I also, yep. I want to say to people, you don't have to work harder at work necessarily to fund a lot of your projects. You know, th these, this podcast, the costs that have gone into everything that you've seen me produce, that comes right out of my hunting budget. But dude, when I go to garage sales, I see stuff underpriced on a routine basis. And there's a cool thing on your phone called Facebook Marketplace. And you can go to garage. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I have bought I have sure. bought generators for like Honda generators for 25 bucks and flipped them for $125. I've bought chain I bought a chainsaw the other day 
today. It's nothing wrong with it for 20 bucks. I'm going to go on Facebook Marketplace and sell it for 40 bucks, and I've made $20 right there, and I literally did nothing but meet some stranger and, and have them hand me you know, two $20 bills. So exactly. I, if, if you're real serious about this, you can find a way to make it happen, and it isn't always like picking up a wage job. There, There's a free section in Craigslist that you can go to and pick stuff up from free and sell it for $10 each you know, out of the back of a trailer. And probably make money if you wanted to. That's a Gary Vaynerchuk uh, tip right there. Oh, yeah, Gary yeah. Vaynerchuk. <laughs> yeah. I it, pretty much read everything he has. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm working time, through it. But... Preston turned me on oh, yeah. the other day. You yeah. Know, it's, well, it, 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 it's true. And you got to keep – you got to – like we've been doing it since 2011. And we can honestly say other than our hunting trips, we reinvested anything we've ever made back into the business. Um, you know, and now, now it's becoming a, a little bit of a, a problem because it's starting to be too profitable. So, you know, you, I, I don't have the time to take as many weeks and go hunting as I want to. And, you know, so <laughs> business it, expenses, I'll yeah, tell you what, I Kevin, mean, it, it's crazy. I, it's crazy. Six, six days a year, I can run an extension of Trad Geeks, and you can <laughs> throw me under the corporate umbrella for those six days. I'll handle a bunch of those expenses real fast. <laughs> Have you ever seen what a diesel burns through going 80 pulling a trailer? Because it's painful. Yeah, so, sure. so Kevin, yeah. you you bring up something kind of cool. It's a it's a natural segue there, and that is with the with the obvious abundant success that Trad Geek has Trad Geeks has had. What is the future of Trad Geeks? Yeah. Actually, even with the stuff that you've got going now, you're creating. Yeah, I'd like everybody to hear that. I really, I really don't know. We've always kind of tried to educate on top of produce content, films. Um, We're just going to keep growing our platform and growing our audience, and honestly, just keep grinding for now. It's so hard to know what the future is, and everybody says to me, "Oh, well." you're never going to have a successful business unless you can look to the future and know what you're going to have. That's bullshit. And I've never, (laughs) I've never, it's been eight years and I've never had any expectations other than if Geeks quit tomorrow, I would be a happy man. I'd be like, yes, I did it. But I'm not one to just give up on anything either. So I'm just going to keep grinding, man, and see where it goes. Hopefully my son loves the outdoors. Hopefully it's still here for him and it's something that maybe he can make it his full-time career because I've laid the groundwork for him. Um, who knows? Maybe it'll be partial retirement for me. Maybe it'll be, I don't know what it's going to be. And I don't know what, what it's going to hold because things change so much, but you know, I foresee it being a, uh, entertainment platform essentially, um, or a, a media company that, just continues producing content for other companies because I have limited time. So, yeah. how about just the gear you're producing for Drag? Because you got a couple things down in the pipeline here that are going, and I haven't even talked with you how it's doing in terms of the Trad gear, like equipment wise. Yeah, so you know, through all this, I've I've uh, started producing the content for other companies, and and we love doing that. But I've also created a brand. And like I said before, you, you got to keep all your avenues open. You have to explore every option. And uh, a long time ago, my brother was helping me with Drag Geeks a lot. He said to me, you know, I really foresee your your income with this, if you want income to be a brand. And 
and branding. I said, well, how the heck do you brand traditional archery or, or brand the name trad geeks, which by the way, I hate that name. It was a name I came up with in the initial. So make sure you're solid on your name when you, uh, <laughs> when, you when you come up with it, but um, I can't change it and I never will. So I came up with a really cool logo design and started producing hats and shirts and just an e-commerce website um, that led into me making custom strings to sell on the website. So we made sure, custom strings. Yeah. Um, and then I started, I started designing a, a tab because there was really no re- really good traditional archery tab that was like modern. So our, our slogans, modern hunting meets traditional. So I came up with a, uh, a two finger tab and a three finger tab, which is what you use to shoot your traditional bow. You can use a glove, but we use tabs and it's made out of carbon fiber. So it's, it's all CNC'd and the logos in it. And we use the highest uh, Cordovan leather we can find. So we sell those on the website as well. And uh, other manufacturers are branding bows like signature bows for us to sell on our website. We're going to be selling uh, uh, 3d targets here soon. So we, we, we just kind of worked a, a deal out with a 3d company. So that's going to be really cool. No, three yeah, targets. What's that? Is that going to be like a trad specific style target? No, it'll be okay. uh, it'll be throughout. You know, anybody can use them. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. I hate to talk about it too much, but we're going to be you know, like selling packages. So basically, for anyone looking to buy an entire 3D course or buy uh, ten targets or twenty targets, it's going to be a reasonable price and, and make awesome. it affordable for people. So cool. So was that, was, like that a, was that a Chasing Tales exclusive right there? Yeah, probably. Hell yes. So yeah, the the brand is big, you know, branding is important for us and um so producing content and growing that brand is kind of our our motive right now. Um something like the Hush does or Born and Raised, you know, that's kind of our our drive, but realizing you know the traditional archery community still has to grow substantially to get to that kind of level well that's awesome so it if we could you know i've already taken up we gosh i'm so used to doing this by myself i forget preston's my co-host on this one but we we, we've taken up a fair amount of your time i'd kind of like to preston unless you object i'd like to kind of shift maybe to a little bit of um I was Maybe. just going to tell you, fire some basic 101. I would love to. That's Is that where you were going, I yep. assume? Yep, that's it. Yep. So uh, selfishly, Kevin, I'd like to uh, abuse my platform and ask you some tra- some traditional archery beginner questions. Shoot, man. Okay, cool. So this is what I've got to work with. I have been gifted so generously a uh, 1973 Bear Kodiak Magnum. 50 pounds at 28 inches. I absolutely, absolutely adore this bow. Um, My grandfather actually had this bow and hunted black bear with it. So for me, not this bow specifically, but this style. So for me, it has a little bit of sentimental value. My question for you is, I'm a heavy compound archer. Does anything that I've learned being a compound archer translate to the trad world? The majority of it, to be honest with you, um, you know, traditional archery, you know, right off the get go, 
just the style of shooting is important, you know, and a lot, you'll, you'll see a lot of traditional archers just draw, draw the bow back and snap shoot, they call it. So they don't even come to an anchor. They just draw back and let it fly. Um, and you can be accurate at that, but it's very, very hard and it develops a lot of target panic. So, um, don't recommend that. I, what I recommend is drawing back your traditional bow, just like you draw back your compound and, and find a really consistent anchor point. Um, and, and that's where I would start, uh, for, for, you know, converting that over, um, tuning arrows is definitely, if you haven't, a lot of compound guys go to an archery shop and get their bows all set up and get the arrows all set up and, and they don't monkey with it for the ones that do, you know, tuning is, believe it or not you can make traditional archery very simple or you can make it super super complex more complex than a compound i mean a lot of tinkering um even though it's just an arrow and a, and a, a piece of wood you, you would not believe the little things that that can you know change the stiffness or weakness of that spine of the arrow so tuning's tuning's tough um but yeah those are some of the little things that would convert over for sure. So, I, uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Walt. No, go ahead. Touch on that. Actually, Preston, if you got something related, I was going to take it a different direction entirely. Yeah, no, I, well, I mean, kind of a different direction, but go for I it. guess, Kevin, like, my big thing would be, which I have the fortunate side of potentially here before the season even starts, getting my way out to your house to get mm-hmm. direct teaching and coaching, like, where to even start, but I don't know you from Adam and none of my friends shoot where like the basic one Oh one in terms of, okay, I draw a 70 pound compound, um, compound. I'm six foot, blah, blah, blah. How would I even know? Like, Hey, I need a 35 pound bow at 40, whatever inches I need. a. is there that like, like in the compound world, you know, 60 to 70 pound cam and a 27 and a half inch draw is like, you're 80% of people, where would I even start? And I say, you know, I don't have a lot of money. I'm not going to hunt with it. Bare bone, cost efficient. How do I even know that? Like, because to me, I don't get it at all. Yeah, you know, what you have to realize is you're, you're going to traditional archery, and a lot of people are switching to traditional archery because it's the thing to do right now. And they're not switching to traditional archery because it's what they want to do. It's what they feel that they should do. So, one, you have to want to do it. And if you're switching to traditional archery, you can forget about speed. You can forget about, oh, I got the best (laughs) bow. Um, You can forget all that because, seriously, I can go buy a Samick Sage recurve or longbow for $150 and kill a deer just as easy as I can with my $1,900 Bushman bow that I have. So, you know, there's there's the extremes. You know, traditional archery, you're switching to traditional archery because you want to take a more simplistic approach. Um, so you don't need all the – you don't need very much to to start. You know, a, a Samick Sage, 150 bucks, buy a low-poundage bow to really dial in your form. You know, and I'm talking 35 pounds will kill a deer, no problem. Um, okay, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, and, and and also not to totally stop you, but what in the hell is the difference between the longbow and the recurve? Like, where would you suggest starting? Yeah, so a recurve has, you know, if you look at the tips, they start to curve when they're strung, 
they, yep. they curve when they're not strung. So you got to recurve the curve, and when it's strung up, the string will actually touch the limb. That is considered like a, a recurve. Gotcha. Like the one that almost looks like a cowboy mustache. Exactly. And a gotcha. long bow, a long bow the, the string will not touch the limb. So now they're, you know, through advancements, now they make a reflex, deflex long bow where you have more of a recurve feel to it, but the string still doesn't touch it. It just has more of a deflex to it. Um, they're making super curve recurves now that are big, big hooks. Um, they actually feel like you have a let off when you draw them like a compound. Um, not to that extent, but it's like Somewhat. it goes from two pounds to one pound. So it, it's enough that you're going to fill it. Um, so, yeah, those are, you know, kind of the different styles. And then you have the old Howard Hill D longbows, uh, the old school longbows and stuff, too. So and then the whole way down to self bows, you know, and I kind of dabble with it all in the traditional side. I have uh, an old bear cub that my grandfather gave me that he never killed anything with that that I'm going to hunt with this year and shoot a doe with it just because I like that sentimental value, just like you said, Walt. So it's funny that you mentioned, you know, how cheaply you can get into it. And I think that's one of the things I'm most excited about. I've got, you, you, you took it the direction uh, inadvertently that I was going to take it, which is, you know, talking about how cheaply you can get into it. My wife's Samick Sage is sitting here right in the corner of my office and I got it off eBay for, I think it was like 80 bucks with shipping brand new mm-hmm. in the box with 35 pound limbs. It's a, it's a takedown recurve as, as her abilities improve. If she wants to, she can put higher poundage limbs on there. So realistically speaking, as you pointed out you could buy a hundred you know if you shop a sale i got it on a flash sale but 85 to you know 150 dollars you're set up mm-hmm. with a bow and i'm going to be doing something with an arrows build uh that one of my buddies is helping me do and uh it's very cheap to get set up with you know a half dozen arrows and a finger tab on top of that one of the things that that intrigues me the most about traditional archery is the ability to shoot so many different bows because whereas I would drop a grand uh, just on a bare bow, a brand new compound bow, I can mm-hmm. get several vintage bows that all shoot unique very, very easily. You know, you shop pawn shops, they're there all the time. One of the things that I'd like you maybe to outline is what budget, like... Um, you know, arrows, finger tab, quiver, bow, the ne- the bare necessities, the very bare necessities. What budget would would uh, people need to go into this with as a minimalist to to be able to hunt whitetail? So, man, you know, honestly, if you if you are very very limited on a budget, I think you could go into this free if you really looked around to be honest with you um there's the traditional archery community is so giving they're a different breed uh, i truly say that i just came back from etar which is the eastern traditional archery rendezvous and, and people just they all get along you know we we leave our booths and go shoot and leave all the product out nobody steals or would even think about stealing anything i mean the the bowyers just hand out 1200 to you know $1,900 custom recurves and longbows and guys just grab them off the table and go back and shoot them and they bring them back like you wouldn't like the other day we were there and and Trent Trent Wangard is a great bowyer young kid Wangard archery um he had probably 
oh, I'd say upward of $12,000 laying on the table. And at some points during the day, half of those were gone when they came back. <laughs> you know, people just picked up the bows, went out back behind the tents, shot them, seen if they liked them, and brought them back. That's how the traditional archery community is. So you can reach out on Facebook forums and everything else nowadays. You could get on, uh, there's like traditional bow hunter classifieds and, and all that on Facebook and say, hey, I'm looking to get into traditional archery. Does anybody have a bow that, you know, I could borrow? And there would be people that would send you a bow if you really couldn't afford one or arrows or clear, like that's how awesome the traditional archery community is. It, you, you know, on a low minimum budget tops, you'd have to spend 200 bucks and you could be out hunting. Um, but, you know, you can also take it to the next extreme and, and really spend a lot of money in it, too. So, but, yeah, it's, it's an awesome community. It really is. Oh, I love it. I, I think it's it's something that that I was overwhelmed with the generosity of information and the overall lack of bickering. I have never in my life seen such a diverse range of opinions shared and there's very little ego or testosterone involved. I mean, it's just, it blows me away because if you go to archery talk and you go to the compound section, you're like, Hey, I'm looking at getting this Matthews. You're going to find a hundred people who shoot a variety of other bows, just absolutely shit talk. Whatever bow mm-hmm. it is you're looking at buying just for the sake of being on, on the bro staff, like you mentioned, right? They're, they're there. So that's what they do. And that's just oh, not yeah. the case in traditional archery, dude. You post a question. Matter of fact, I did it just the other day, and I can't remember what it was. It escapes me now. I got like five PMs. Nobody was commenting. I was like, "Oh wow, this sucks." Like, I guess this was like a wrong question to ask. You know, this must be a really noob question. And then I, I go to lunch, and I come back, and I've got five direct messages from people, all like, "Hey man, I've got that exact setup. Here's what I'm doing, and here's what you can do differently." I was like, "Whoa, that's yeah, massive." Yeah. That's how it is, and all the bowyers get along. I mean, I shot this weekend. With, I'm sure you've heard of South Cox. I shot with South, and he made he stalker stick bows and wingered archery was shooting with him. And I mean, the bowyers are best friends in the traditional archery community. Like nobody, nobody bashes each other. They all make fantastic bows. They all, you know, everybody. It's just like in the compound. Everyone's going to have their personal opinions, um, but it's never in a mean, mean way or in a bad way. Um, because in reality, you can go make a self bow and hunt with it. And if that's your cup of tea, that's awesome, you know. Right. So yeah. It's one of those things where there's, you know, the traditional archery community is the more prim, you know, they, they got the really primitive guys. And, and the primitive guys might tend to dislike what I'm doing now in the traditional archery community a little bit. Um, just because we do shoot carbon arrows for the majority of the time. And How dare you? We're shooting, you know, high-end recurves and long bows compared to, like, self bows and stuff. But I'm kind of leaving that. I'm kind of leaving the self bow and the old-school, really primitive setups for something later. Like, uh, I'm good where I'm at right now. When, it, when this becomes, I want something more, when I'm in my 50s and 60s, I'll probably start making self bows and shoot wooden arrows. But I'm just not ready for that commitment yet. So it but it's overall it's super super accepting to anybody uh it's pretty crazy so do you do you real quick this isn't a basic 101 but do you feel as though the compound hunting world or the 
traditional hunting world is actually more or less diverse, meaning like more alterations on every little thing. Like which one do you feel? Cause I don't know much about traditional. So I don't know if maybe there's more options to every, like, you know, re- draw away uh, just as a whole, do you seem, or do they seem pretty similar in terms of options amongst all the different type of gear? Honestly, pretty diverse, you know, and I've been out yeah. in compound, the compound realm for quite some time, but you know, we have guys that shoot with their thumb. I shoot two fingers under. There's guys that shoot split fingers. There's guys that shoot three fingers under. Then there's guys that shoot horse bows where the shelf's on the opposite side. And there's guys that shoot, you know, plungers. There's guys that shoot, um, flipper rest. There's guys that shoot off the shelf. There's guys that, shoot, you know, I could go on and on with this, uh, different things that guys do in the traditional archery, you know, as far as anchor holds and uh, snap shooting versus, you know, holding and all kinds of different things. So I would think the traditional archery is more diverse, but the funny thing is, is they're also the most accepting to all that stuff. Like everybody, you know, can do what they want to do. It's not a, it's not one way is the right way. There's multiple ways to skin the cat. So it's really cool because I, I I find that quite commonly, and I'm sure you can actually because uh, you're you're a golfer as well as I am, and like not very often when you're golfing where there's a million equipment options, you don't pull your driver out and everybody in your foursome bashes the brand of driver you have. They go, oh man, you know that's pretty cool. Let me, I want to hit that or I want to try that out. Oh, oh, you got the new putter. But I find in the compound hunting world, not always, but a lot you've kind of, and I talked to Cam on our team about this. It's like a Ford or a Chevy guy all the time where I'm so (laughs) pumped up about something new and everyone has their comment why it's a giant piece of shit. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, like, okay, great. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I went and shot, uh, like I'm a very diverse guy and I shoot everything that exists. And if the feel and the specs and it's great, I'm like, you know what? Awesome. Works for me. It's not like I'm not brand specific. It's what suits me, but I see it a lot and it, it drives me, it drives me nuts because I'm like, what in the hell is going on with, I find that with, um, compound hunters. And again, I'm not going to say as a whole, I'm my new percent, but I do see that a lot and it drives me nuts. Cause I'm like, you know, who am I to say the type of girl that another guy likes, like it ain't my place, but that's what exactly. they're doing. And it, drives me crazy i'm like guys like a a, a hoyt isn't a hoyt the best because you say so the next guy literally might hate it and it's like they're all doing the same objective go out and hunt sit in the woods and get to an end goal like who cares yeah it's kind of funny because like you think about it who who would have like eight or nine different compounds on the wall all different brands rich people guys not too many guys. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Like Preston, they, usually, no. they buy Preston. and sell. They want to. They want to represent one brand, right? <laughs> Where like, the traditional archery community, I have uh, eight or nine bows hanging on the wall, all different bowyers. You know, so. Well, gentlemen, I hate to to wrap this up. However, uh, we mentioned earlier that we both have families and my wife is, is, has been kind enough for the last hour or so to, to watch <laughs> our, our hellacious Boykin Spaniel puppy. So I, I am, I am going to have to wrap this up on my end. Uh, Preston, unless you have a closing thought or closing question, I've got one for Kevin. 
Pat, hammer away, bud. Okay. I talk to him way too often. <laughs> Kevin, are you ready for this? I ask almost all my guests a variation of this question. and Oh, boy. It's a good one. Preston can, can admit. Yeah, Never I didn't know what it. to say. That don't happen often. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, if you could go back to the earliest days of getting into the industry – the earliest day when you when you had the first thought that hey, uh, I want to be a celebrity, and the, I'm just kidding. But when you when you had that thought and said I want to get into the industry, what singular piece of advice would you go back to your your previous self and share uh, to have eased that transition or to have uh, shortened the learning curve? Well, that's funny you say that because you know when I first got into into this. I often thought, well, when am I going to be able to say, or when am I actually accepted into the industry? And there is no industry. Everybody's a part of the industry. So rather you have two followers and you have a random name that nobody knows and you're in the industry. Like there is no click. There is no, oh, you got to be this successful to be in it. You can be in it with, you know, and how I like to classify it is, the archery trade association you can you can go to the trade show if you have a business so you start a business and you can go like it's not you know so that's my big thing anybody just starting like we're all in this together it's if you want to be in the hunting industry you're in it like you don't have to do anything to be into it so you know it's just uh it's not like chiropractic where you have to go to school and become a chiropractor to be a chiropractor um you know, with today's world and social media, anything's possible for anybody. So, you're the first. You're the first person to not. literally have an answer from the start. Yeah, I'm like really upset about this. To be honest, <laughs> I don't even know if I answered the correct question, but I'll be honest. I don't even. I, I don't even know what Walt asked you. Now, I was just entranced at your answer, and I'm like, well, I don't know what the question was, but I'm going to take the information. <laughs> the, the 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 gist of the question was what can what could he have done to ease the transition or the learning curve into getting into the industry? And essentially, if I'm not mistaken, is just simply do it. Just get just in do there, do it, man. Yeah, you don't. No, I, I, that's kind of how I felt with answering it is, is, you know, initially I thought I had to hold up to certain levels to, to be in it or do certain things to be in it. And it wasn't, wasn't any of that. You just, you just grind it out, do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. That is, I, I am thrilled. I've had Preston on. This is the third time I've had him on the show. Well, this time he's co-hosting. So I don't know if I'm actually having him on the show, but the the second the first and second time I asked him the same question both times and both times I left him he 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 remarked that he had to think about it so it, it, if he ever gives you shit about being better at yeah. you about anything remind him that you had an answer for Walter's very important question from the start yeah. <laughs> sounds good man <laughs> well Kevin if you'll hang on one second buddy I'm gonna wrap this up and I just want to chat with you briefly uh, before you hang up sure man Got- thanks a lot Kevin that's fun yeah buddy. Guys, this was an awesome podcast. I know it's a different format, but I think it was I think it was a hit. I, I think uh, everybody's going to enjoy it. And I don't know, maybe if you like it a lot, maybe I'll have somebody else on here as a guest co-host, or maybe I'll I'll invite Preston on and we'll, we'll interrogate uh, various outdoor people. But uh, 
If you liked what you heard, hit the subscribe button. And don't forget, if you leave me a rating on iTunes, I'll send you a decal. Just remember, this is the important step. Take a screenshot and send it to me. That way I know uh, who I'm sending it to and I need your shipping address. So until next time, y'all be good. Get outside and go have fun. spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.